It takes more than detailed knowledge of BGP to be a great software engineer. This is episode 103 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. I guess we should say what BGP is. We don't have to explain it. Border Gateway Protocol. It's a thing. I thought it was Dave big, stuff grumpy Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else could it be? Um, <laughs> buttered GNU preprocessor. <laughs> that was an early iteration <laughs> of buttered, the C macro preprocessor. Buttered grep psychology. Okay. Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like that one. I think we could do a whole episode of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we got 40 minutes to burn. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Buckle in. Buckle. Just kidding. Group podcast. <laughs> buckle. Great pr- protection. I feel like I want to say like buckle your seatbelt in a way that says <laughs> BGP, but but I won't. That's okay. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching our real-time metrics. We just lost 300 users or listeners. <laughs> okay. You know what? Double down. Those were the people that weren't committed. <laughs> we just thinned the herd. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of herds, <laughs> I'd like to thank our three patrons who are contributing at the monthly level so they get a shout-out every week. We have Ken Howard, Sean Clayton, and Dustin Coates. Thanks, patrons. We love you. Thank you so much. If you want to join their illustrious ranks, you can go to www.patreon.com slash softskillseng, or there's a link on our website that'll take you there. We we don't have a lot of leverage over you because, you know, like we like doing this, so we, we <laughs> might just do it anyways, but it certainly helps. It helps make us feel appreciated and it helps pay for stuff around the podcast. Just so you know, Jameson is really bad at sales. <laughs> i totally am oh uh, i i negotiated my money down in a thing i did a couple of days ago it was great what <laughs> oh it wasn't like a big deal but okay it, it wasn't for my job <laughs> <sighs> all right should we answer some questions well yeah but first we had a cool story that someone wrote in from facebook mm. um not we don't have a facebook page this is actually from a facebook engineer oh yeah do you want to share this one I totally do. This is from a listener named Dan. In episode 101, you covered giving gratitude to other developers for good things they've done. At Facebook, we have a tool called ThanksBot. It was built in a hackathon a few years ago and quickly became a core part of our culture. We can write hashtag thanks with a message in post comments and chat messages on our internal Facebook instance, on pull requests, tasks, and pretty much any other internal tool. The message goes to you and your manager and is aggregated into your performance review cycle. Uh, this style of feedback can be transformative for satisfaction. That's awesome. That is so cool. I really like having a, a codified way to recognize people. At one of my early jobs, we had just a little chat bot, and you could just plus plus someone's name. And it just became a way of recognizing people that helped you. And it, I mean, there was a command you could do to like list people's helpfulness. So maybe that could create some <laughs> leaderboard weird incentives to get on the leaderboard. But but it was just habit there. Every time someone did a little thing to help you, just say like this person plus plus. And it was it was a little public shout out to them and made and people feel good. What happened next? Where did it go? Did it go to their manager? Nothing. No. No. It was oh. just it was just like a everybody kinda knew that, that that person helped you. It was just kind of a points thing, like a just Yeah, just a points for points. Just Well, I I like the Facebook one because I think it scales really well to the whole organization. And 
um, it's actually integrated into your annual review process. I like that. Yeah, there was no annual review process at this job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. That's cool. Yeah, super cool. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for writing that in. If anyone else has a comment you'd like to add, feel free to hit us up on softskills.audio and click ask a question, and then just do a head fake and write a comment instead. <laughs> Psych! <laughs> All right. Speaking of questions, would you like to read our first one? Yeah, sure. This one comes from an anonymous listener who says, I became a software engineer because I loved my CS classes and the process of writing software solo for school assignments. I'm in my first job out of school working on a cross-functional product engineering team. I'm struggling to contribute anything other than finishing the tasks that are assigned to me. Other engineers take initiative to prioritize work for our team, propose solutions regarding specs and organizational alignment, and volunteer to take care of blockers. I pay attention during stand-up, but when I try to participate in the conversation, my teammates' responses indicate that the questions or concerns I bring up are irrelevant and should not be discussed during stand-up. Someone suggested I volunteer for more things as a way to learn about the organization and team process, but it's not intuitive to me what the team needs that I can volunteer to help with. My knee-jerk reaction is to find a job at another organization that values hard skills more. But I would like to first give my best effort to improve on this front. Any suggestions for how to be a more effective team player, not just someone who goes through JIRA tickets? Sounds like JIRA's the problem here. (laughs) (laughs) There's your problem. What if we just blame it all on the tool? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Dave? Well, I have some good news for you. If all you ever do is work on JIRA tickets and don't do anything else to help your team, you'll probably get a chance to get another job anyway. <laughs> Why is that? Well, I... I don't quite get what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? Are you suggesting Jira is not an effective measurement of someone's output <laughs> and productivity and value? Even though it is the ultimate measure of all human value, um, I was being a little bit subtle in suggesting that team members who do nothing but work tickets off the ticket queue and nothing else uh in my opinion are missing out on a lot of the most important things that we do as engineers which is um think of basically think of new and exciting ways to do things or more effective ways to serve our customers and build software that works better um and you really have to participate in the social dynamic of the team more than in a greater capacity than just fixing jira tickets i think yeah i i think that's the question askers desire. It sounds like they are interested in that. They're just not sure where to start. And they, it feels like they've maybe tried a little bit and it hasn't gone super well. Yeah. And I, I want to read into a little bit of what this listener wrote. Um, I might go somewhere else that values hard skills more. Uh, did that stand out to you, Jameson? Yeah, <laughs> it did. <laughs> yeah, me too. In In my experience... A developer's effectiveness is much more bounded by their soft skills than by their technical skills, as long as their technical skills meet some minimum bar. Mm-hmm. The minimum bar is probably different depending on what team and organization and product space you're in, but there's there's a minimum technical bar, and then above that, it helps you, but it's it's way more effective in lots of places to invest in soft skills uh, this is a sales pitch for our podcast. I just realized. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> Hence, well, you should listen to us. You are good so at sales I, I, after all. Yeah. I don't think there's this magical, verdant land of just hardcore, hard skills, 
don't have to worry about this messy people stuff, especially if you work in large systems, because the the world we live in, those are so interconnected and you're building components that other people mm-hmm. use and you're using other people's components. And like, you just can't build a lot of really successful commercial software by yourself these days. And if yep. you do build it by yourself, congratulations, you're now like a full-time salesperson, marketer, support, CEO, accountant, like... <laughs> Folk just saying like, well, there's got to be a place where I can just put my head down and crank out technical work. That doesn't feel like a great solution to this problem for me. Yeah, me too. So your heart's in the right place wanting to contribute in more ways than just closing out Jira tickets. It sounds like maybe this listener picked the wrong time to bring it up. Uh, You mentioned during stand-up and uh, got shut down pretty quick, right? Like, says here that uh, my concerns are not relevant and should not be discussed during stand-up. And that's yeah. probably true. Stand-up is usually a time for quick, short um, status reporting and focus rerouting and you know, motivational and whatnot, and accountability time. But it's not really the time to discuss broader problems like, hey, I think we have an issue with our code review process or I think we have um, too many bugs and we need to find a way to do a better bug triage ingest process and so on like that's not the time for that discussion everyone's literally standing on their feet and it's m- supposed to make you uncomfortable so you don't stand there for too long yeah i wonder if some of it is other engineers sometimes talk about things like that in stand-up but they have more context so it's a quicker conversation so maybe they're just like remember this thing we talked about i'm i'm tweaking our process and everyone's like oh yeah um, whereas if you don't, if you're newer to the team and newer to the code base and organization, it, you, you might be instead saying, what if we tried this totally new thing just cause you don't, you don't have all the context and that's a good fit for a different place than stand up. Like Dave said. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I feel like I need to clarify what I said earlier about hard skills. I, I, I really think if, if what you want to do is just sit in a room and code, uh, that's going to be hard to find especially on more interesting problems Mm -hmm. but you you like unlock the ability to do hard fun technical things by working with other people yes so it's more like it's more like a carrot than a stick (laughs) if you want to work on the fun interesting stuff you need consensus and you need other people's support and um just going off and doing it by yourself isn't isn't a great fit i think for a lot of teams you also mentioned that someone suggested that you volunteer as a way to learn about the organization and team process, but you're kind of unsure what to volunteer with specifically. You could just ask for help in that, right? Just say, I'm not sure what the biggest pain points are. Do you have any suggestions? And then guaranteed there's some stuff that people but, wish was different that but when, they when would should, love someone to help out. When, when should they do that? Like, what's the right time to, to broach that question? I mean, you could just ask your manager. I, I guess, yeah, stand-up might not be the best time. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I'm thinking that. I, I think asking yeah, your manager is a great idea. Yeah, you or you could just, like, send an email to the team, ask people in chat. I don't know. I, I would ask your manager as a default. Yeah, start there. Maybe even talk to some people one-on-one and just say, hey, what are some of the things that are frustrating or hard to work with or, you know, things like that. Yeah, as as a newer person on the team, you also have you lack a lot of the baggage. So you don't have a lot of the context, but you also have fresh, just un, un, I don't know, your eyes are undimmed by cynicism. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I think in some ways, newer people on teams are great fits for tackling these longer standing problems or things that have just kind of lingered and, and nagged for a while, but no one has ever just said, said, you know, this is causing us pain every time we should just buckle down and fix it. So I, I imagine there are great things to work on. And if you don't know off the top of your head, you can ask people for help. Another suggestion is instead of just kind of thinking up a thing and, and then just going off and doing it. I would try pretty hard to validate the problem with other people first. That will both make sure that people know what you're doing. It'll give them time to give input if you're not sure what to work on. And and also, you want to make sure that if you go off and work on this thing, people will care that you did it instead of seeing it as a waste of time taking you away yeah. from the valuable Jira ticket closing work that you're doing. Because you have to do that, right? That's like part of the job. You have to get some of the stuff done that we said we were going to get done. Yeah, and I, I, I think I kind of made fun of that a little bit too much, right? Like, you still have to do that. That needs to be like 80%, 90% of your focus. But uh, yeah. it shouldn't be the only thing you do. Sure. And and ideally, you would work broader improvements into that Jira ticket process. Yeah. You, you have to balance those things a little bit. Some of it, too, might just be paying your dues, right? You got to show you can just get normal things done. Yeah. Also, these things take time to recognize and really internalize. You know, I, I mean, I remember being new to a team and you're like, wow, everything's great. No one has any problems. Our team has good processes. And then like six months later, you're like, this whole place is a dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some of it is you only see problems in, 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 there are certain situations that trigger problems to crop up. And that's not the day-to-day -day operation of the team sometimes. It's just like, oh yeah, every time this other system's version bumps, then we have this horrible thing we have to deal with. But that's, right. That doesn't happen regularly. It's just like every time it happens, it sucks. Right. Like a couple so. times a year, you have all this pain. And if you haven't been here long enough to experience it, then how would you ever know? Yeah, exactly. So true. Yeah. So take your time and enjoy this honeymoon phase of your existence. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm only assuming you're new to the team. But if you are, just enjoy it. Don't worry. The pain will come. <laughs> I think the pain's already there. They're experiencing pain because they want to help out in ways they don't feel they can yet. A new kind of pain will come. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, a person on a team who finds the most painful thing and fixes it and then finds the most pain the next most painful thing and fixes it, they they buy a lot of goodwill and they mm -hmm. create a lot of value. So if that's what you're interested in, you can definitely help out and be recognized for that. Just make sure you're identifying the right most painful things. And the way you do that is by talking to people, but not during stand-up. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess sometimes, too, the most painful thing is very coincidentally aligned with that cool technical thing you want to do. And you're like, the pain is we're not using Kubernetes and <laughs> it hurts my resume, right? Or whatever you're... You, I don't know. You got to be careful to uh, take a clear look at your motivations for those kinds of things. This team has a distinct... Kubernetes deficiency. <laughs> you know what would be better than a MySQL database? The blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just wondering. I was like, three, two, blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, have we answered the question? We have, but first we need to mention that, uh, I mean, lastly, we need to mention that replacing Jira, which is obviously the source of this problem, with a distributed blockchain ticket tracker is clearly a viable solution, I think. Mm. I think you're right, yeah. 
I was going to say the problem with tickets is it's centrally managed. <laughs> ah, yeah. We need to That's take true. it to the people. Yeah, you got to distribute those <laughs> those tickets. <laughs> what if okay, what if you could somehow use the blockchain for assigning tickets? Okay. You you mine by moving See, I don't know anything about the blockchain <laughs> and I think I'm realizing that when I talk. <laughs> Anyways, question answered. Question answered. The <laughs> blockchain <luck>. certifies. <laughs> you want to read our next one? I totally do. This is from another anonymous listener. I recently started a new job and a lot of the existing code is really bad. How can I raise this concern or make improvements to the code without offending my teammates who wrote it? <laughs> I am shocked to hear that there's bad code I, I know. at your job. <laughs> you must have landed at that one company that has bad code. Yeah. I read a lot of blog posts and all I hear about is all the good code that people write. <laughs> they never go back and update those blog posts five years later and say, actually, the opposite of all this. <laughs> That's true. Maybe the blockchain could help with that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, we're poking fun at you, but I think part of the fun is under that is is the truth that bad code is like a bad code is everywhere man i mean there's there's definitely code that's worse than other code and i can think back and think of the worst code like the the job i had where the code was the worst but i've never worked anywhere where there hasn't been bad code mm -hmm. the only time i've seen good code is the code i wrote about 30 seconds ago and then after those 30 seconds elapse and i push it to get it's bad and yeah. it stays bad for the rest of its life yeah, I feel like bad code often comes from just the way we build software, not necessarily people being dumb and wrong all the time. <laughs> and and have you ever heard the phrase, if you meet a jerk in the morning, they might just be a jerk. And if everyone you meet during the whole day is a jerk, you might be a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that applies to bad code sometimes, where if every piece of code you ever look at is bad code, it's not like you write bad You're code. The it's bad more like code. your expectations of what bad code are don't really match the reality of how people program. Yeah, maybe. And and by that I mean, have you ever had a deadline? <laughs> then you've written bad code, probably, right? Like <laughs> there there are just there are things about the way we work that make people write bad code. Um, changing changing requirements are often a source of bad code. You wrote it and it was good, and then you had to add one new thing, and then that happens five times, and then you had to totally changed some core assumptions of it and you didn't have any time and you just kind of crammed it in there like code just it just devolves so there, there are lots of reasons for bad code and the point of all this is i think if you recognize that it makes it an easier problem to tackle so instead of going to your teammate and say this code you wrote is just horrible and so therefore you must write really bad code and be a bad programmer you can recognize like this was written 10 years ago by someone in their first programming job or by people under intense deadline pressure or by just uh, people that were multitasking too hard or I don't know, just recognize it's we're human and we make mistakes mm -hmm. and people write bad code and are still capable of writing good code. Yes. So you have empathy for them. I think that's, that's the first step. Yeah, I mean, people will be offended if you think they suck, right? There's no way to tell someone <laughs> you, you suck at writing code without offending them, I think. Your code is bad <laughs> and you are bad. Yeah, but if you're saying like, 
we just need to make this better. And I understand why it's the way it is, but we can make it better. I don't think that offends people as much. For sure. I think you can minimize the the offense by about 10%. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Um, you know, I really don't like the phrase, the word bad. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a lazy word. You know, mm. it doesn't really describe what's actually wrong with the code. Like bad could mean so many things. Bad yeah. could mean that the variables are named poorly, that they don't make, they don't match what they actually are used for. It could mean that there's lots of coupling in the system that has negative effects when you try to change seemingly unrelated parts of the system and cause breakage. It could mean so much stuff. And so I think if you're going to go to your team with a recommendation for changing their code, saying bad is like the worst way. The, sorry, worst is also a bad word in my opinion. Oh, I just said bad <laughs> How word. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it is It is not a very effective way for getting change to happen on your code base. But if you really want to point out how something is bad, quantify it. Tell them why it's bad and exactly how it's bad. And um, and then it still probably won't help. <laughs> yeah, I really like that, though. There's an underlying thing besides just bad. And I think you're right that bad is kind of a lazy word. It, it If you say it's bad because we have 25 dependencies in this module or whatever, and th- and that is bad because it means that it's probably doing too much work and it depends it it well see now i'm even struggling why is so that bad i know it's, it's bad, bad but why 25 dependencies are bad because every time we want to release it we have to bump all these revisions and those things sometimes introduce changes and bugs and we have to do a lot of testing um you know stuff it's like that it's doing at least 25 different things cuz it's using all those and mm-hmm. yeah yeah so if you can yeah i like that if you can if you can specify it I also think sometimes bad code gets used to mean code I didn't write, right? We have these strong (laughs) personal preferences around style and choice. And some people really, really, really like more procedural programming. Some people go nuts into functional programming. Some people think object-oriented is the right way. And even within all these broad definitions, everyone points at someone who does it a slightly different way and says they're wrong and bad. Mm -hmm. So some of it is, is like the developer who cried bad code right it's like that's not it just it's just different it's not it's not necessarily bad just because someone else besides you wrote it in the way they thought was good yes for sure and i think for me like you said bad code means someone else wrote it for me bad code means someone else or i myself wrote it more than a few seconds ago yeah i I don't know why like i come back to my own code sometimes and i'm like this was such a bad idea (laughs) yeah i think recognizing that process in yourself really helps you avoid thinking people are bad for writing bad code because if you do it all the time right and hopefully you're learning so every six months you look back on your code and you're like man that was so much worse than the way i do it now (laughs) why not why not give other people the ability to learn in that same way so you talk you also ask about how specifically do you raise this concern or make improvements. I think if you can attack the underlying problem, that helps, right? Where where there really intense time pressures on people that cause them to have to just crank it out. Um, Was it a lack of knowledge type of thing where people just didn't know any better? So they did what they knew. And then could that be addressed by training? Yeah, for sure. 
sometimes there's like really obvious things where you're like, oh, did you know you've been writing like four lines of code every time you want to do this one thing, but there's a helper function you can call that does that for you, you know, or mm-hmm. there's an idiomatic way to do that that saves you a bunch of typing. Those are, I think sure. those are the easy cases. The harder and ones. And that's not bad code, right? Like not knowing about some flag you can pass to a function. Yeah. That's not, that's, that's, that's the small details. That doesn't. I don't know. That's not what makes a code base bad. At, <laughs> right, opinion. exactly. At worst, I would call that annoying to read because you have to read like a bunch of lines and you go, oh, this is just doing zip, which is a Python thing. But, yeah. you know, stuff like that. What was I going to say about that? Huh. I think I was going to say those are easy because um, all you have to do is approach the person and say, look, you can save time doing it this way. And it's actually pretty simple to fix too, to go back and fix. The harder ones to fix are the things like Jameson was talking about. Like you have so many dependencies, right? It's like, oh crap, I'm going to have to dig through all these dependencies and they've just grown and grown over the years. Or everyone has, every project has like that one file that's like 10,000 lines long and no one wants to touch it. And it's just slowly grows yep. and people only but add to it. And they never people always it. touch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, it is so hard to fix that. My last company, we actually set up a like a little metric that we would report on every two weeks at our sprint kickoff meetings where we'd say, hey, here are the people who removed lines of code from this humongous file. Um, Congrats to them. You know, so-and-so removed 50 lines. Someone else over here removed 75, you know, and then we would clap. Um, But it still still didn't (laughs) help. We still had this 10,000-line file. So anyway, bad code. It's everywhere. Um, I think the worst way to do it is just roll up your sleeves and say, boy, this code is bad and go like submit a giant pull request (laughs) because for better or for worse, people do identify often with the code that they've written. And if you make a pull request titled clean up our crappy code (laughs) and just submit that, I mean, people will be offended. Mm -hmm. So if you really want to make systematic change, you need to talk to the team about it and agree on things that we will do differently now. And then when you do those changes, you're just doing what you agreed on. So like uh, we talked about the giant list of dependencies earlier, right? You can say we want to keep our dependency list small. And then when you go clean that up, you can say this is doing what we agreed and here's how it makes the code base better. And hopefully you don't take that too far and then just do other horrible things to follow these arbitrary rules of good code that you set for yourselves. But I think if you if you get, Dave talked about getting, uh, what was it, quantitizing? Is that the word? Uh, quantifying. Quantifying. Yeah, quantitizing, I think, is a different thing. Quantifying the harm it causes. So you get the team to agree, this is causing us problems, and then you agree on a solution, and then you just do it, and then people aren't offended. They're just, in, in my experience, people are generally excited to clean things up because they're they're usually aware of it and don't love it, right? It's not like anyone loves this horrible mess that they've made. Mm-hmm. Am I totally contradicting myself? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Yeah, like it. I think it depends. Like it depends on how entrenched the person is in that style that you're attacking. Yeah, I guess that's true. And that's where it gets into the fuzzy definition of bad code. But if mm-hmm. people have written very deadline driven code right like most people are aware of that and are like yeah we got to clean that up someday so if yeah. if the team agrees on it and starts to clean it up people are happy about that it gets trickier when you're like this thing that you think is good that's actually bad and then that's where you need a little more careful consensus building yes also i think a good way uh, an effective way sorry there's that word good <laughs> an effective way i think way... it's a good word <laughs> It is literally a good word. 
I think an effective technique for making claims about someone else's code that are like actionable and won't cause as much offense is rather than saying like this code is difficult you can say i found it difficult when i was trying to do x with this code and instead of just saying this code is objectively universally difficult to work with you can say i had this problem when i was trying to accomplish this particular thing with this code and like that's something that can't be argued right it's it's a fact it's not an opinion it's a struggle you had and then you can as a team you can work on that together whereas if you just swoop in and say this code makes it difficult to do x y and z it's very difficult you could argue about that right you could say, people could say well i don't think it would actually be difficult you know but if you actually tried something and had an experience and you can use that i think that would be much more helpful yeah yeah you know this sounds like a lot of work it's a lot easier to just say this code is garbage and then go rewrite <laughs> it all <laughs> <laughs> Yep. I am the bad code Midas. I touch it and it turns to gold. <laughs> it turns to bad? Yeah. No, <laughs> the other way around. Oh, okay. I'm the opposite. Take bad code and I make it good just by looking at it. I t- every code base I touch turns into a dumpster fire. I think that was a different Greek myth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have we answered the question? Uh, more or less. No worse than we ever have recently started a new job yeah this is a good time to do it i think new people bring new blood is important new eyes on a code base is important and we talked about it last question right you can find stuff that people might be used to and and help them fix it so you've got a great opportunity absolutely you are the canary in the coal mine that has died you're a dead canary so you like flew in drop dead is that what you're saying (laughs) yep and the (laughs) final the final words out of his mouth with his final breaths were this code is really bad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> On that note. We're sorry for your loss. What can people... What's that? <laughs> we're sorry for your loss. Wait, what do you say to the person <laughs> that actually died? Oh, this got morbid. I'm Never sorry mind. you died. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for your death. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I haven't encountered that situation yet. Sorry, I'm uncomfortable now. I'm sorry. You know what would make me super comfortable is if we told people how they can get their own questions answered. I would like to share that with you. Go to softskills.audio and click on ask a question. You can remain anonymous there or you can fill in all your contact information. Please don't enter your social security numbers. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll take them. (laughs) (laughs) We'll keep them safer than some people. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put them on a blockchain somewhere. Yeah, we'll put them on the blockchain. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. We'll catch you next week.